0: and welcome to setting the skein i'm ben i'm tristan i'm elijah and doug where the heck are you oh boy i ask that rhetorically because i know exactly where doug is he's Uh, right in your basement that he is if you don't have a basement you should you should probably check on him because you should check i have no idea where he is you should get one and then we'll transfer doug to you
1: and then we'll just play tag with Doug in basements because that's where he's only allowed to live in basements oh. now. Sorry. All right. That's what well. the president said. So. Oh, that, so that, well, that
0: is where Doug is. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, since Doug's not here, we decided to bring on a guest. So Logan, say hi to the people.
2: Hi to the people. Am I right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah, I'm Logan. I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, but glad to be back.
0: Yeah. So it's always good to have you back, Logan. Uh, Logan, why did we bring you on this week?
2: Well, uh, the movie that we are talking about today is Nacho Libre, the 2004 mega hit, Mm. as I call it. But (laughs) it is in my top five. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I was caught up on Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) 2006 mega hit. And um, it is in my top five favorite movies of all time. Uh, Partially because of nostalgia. Partially because I just really enjoy it. So.
0: all right well there you go uh tristan i think you've got some uh, good yeah. information on that
1: movie pulled I, i've got the sweet sweet facts on this film i know you've mm. all been dying to hear about it mm. 2006 is nacho, nacho libre directed by jared hess also known for napoleon dynamite who we we were talking about before the episode um and it feels that way too when you watch this movie um it stars uh jack black of course the man himself, um, Ana de la Regiera. Reg, 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 I'm sorry, I'm going to try my best. Um, Hector Jimenez, Darius Rose as Chancho, of course, um, Moises Arias, um, and, and quite a few other uh, people that we are not super familiar with. Um, but of course, we know the two main ones. Um so yeah, there All there's right. your cast.
0: Well, thank you. Uh this movie uh, was not received particularly well. Uh, it's got oh. a five point eight out of ten on IMDB, a fifty-two percent on Metacritic. But it's Google Audience rating summary is a four point nine out of five stars. So no. That that's what it says. I'm not even, I'm not well, even hey, a little bit surprised. Can you go to Rotten Tomatoes? Real uh, that's quick what and- I'm pulling up right now. Uh, The the audience score is 54% and the tomato meter is sitting at 40%. Wow. Okay. So It seems like mostly people are pretty split. Um, (laughs) Either it's um, not necessarily like the best thing in the world, but I I guess it's not really the worst thing in the world. Oh, hold on. (laughs) And ratings,
1: like a 75 is like split 50 is like, okay, this this isn't
0: great. Well, the way that tomato rotten tomatoes works um, Like it's the percentage of ratings that are good versus bad. So, like a 50% yeah. means that half the people that left a review left a positive review. Oh, okay. It's weird how it works. Um, but yeah. Well, the other ones, good. yeah, I mean, that, that's about right.
2: But. Yeah. So, therefore, I'm around tomatoes. Most of the movies that we look at, um, we as in a general people, I know this is y'all's podcast. That's not what I meant by we um but
3: take it from us most
2: most of them are 50 and higher so i would say a lot most movies are split
1: okay the more you know uh well and speaking of knowing things uh i'm gonna give you some things to know the plot of this movie is what you can know if you haven't seen it you should probably watch it before you listen to us today um i don't mean to call you
0: that's so important
1: yeah, uh, it's probably not important, honestly, um, because I'm about to tell you what it is. So uh, basically, you have Jack Black is our main our main boy. And when I say boy, I mean, fully grown man. Uh, he is living in a monastery as an orphan. Um, he was an orphan. I guess he still is an orphan. He's just old. Um, do you ever stop becoming an orphan? I think you do. Maybe you don't. Elijah's shaking his head on the screen. I don't know. I don't know. Any orphan experts out there, please let me know and hit me up. Uh, anyway, that's what he's doing. Um, and he's just kind of uh, existing in life, um, not doing super well. He's living in Mexico. Um, that's where he was born. Um, and that's where he grew up. And it's, it's told later on that his parents met there One, one's a missionary. Um, and that's why he's there and he's white. Um, so anyway, moving on, uh, he gets involved in a wrestling gig. Um, or Rather, he starts to wrestle. He starts small. He meets this guy. I don't even know how I guess he finds this guy in the street. I don't remember how he even came across this guy. He,
2: well the it, guy stole it? some chips from him and then he thought that he was a good fighter so okay he okay him out with more chips
1: okay okay <laughs> I wasn't sure it was just I guess I missed that he caught a guy I guess apparently and uh, and just made him uh, work with him on wrestling and they both became a team and you know he kind of went up in the ranks and there's also this side plot where um, there's this nun that comes in and he likes her a lot and she likes him and it made me realize that Jack Black is actually a handsome man um, and then we get to the end of the movie where he beats the, the big bad, uh, the leader, the, 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 the baddest dude of them all when it comes to wrestling. And then she loves him for it because she sees him do it. And there's also this little kid at the orphanage who wears a mask and wants to be like him. Um, and they're friends. And that's that's but, not really bring But
2: by the end of the movie, as far as we know, they still have their vows of celibacy. She stays a nun. He stays a sure aspiring monk. So
1: yeah. Well, yeah. I guess as far as we know.
2: Yep.
1: Although there are a lot of uh, looks back. <laughs> <laughs> especially on that bus there were a lot of uncomfortable looks between them uh, uh you're not wrong so i don't mm. know
0: we'll see
1: <laughs> i guess all right there's <laughs> the your plot. there's your plot of nacho libre folks so well, now, thank now you. you've seen it
0: well, well well thank you for that doug you're or welcome. tristan you're, you're welcome. not doug uh you're but un- speaking of unwelcome. having seen it um have y'all seen this movie before because uh i sure tried to uh <laughs> But I've I made it. I, I made it about halfway through the first time I tried to watch it, which was in the last year. Made it halfway through and cut it off because I thought it was kind of dumb, and there were better ways to spend my afternoon.
2: If I had to make an educated guess. I've probably seen this movie thirty-two times, uh, like, <laughs> like probably fourteen times the year it came out because I was a young lad and we had it on DVD, and probably fourteen times. Um. Throughout the rest of my life in college, so I'll give it twenty-eight.
0: Okay, cool. What about you, Elijah?
3: I have seen this movie probably four times, Um, but uh, i I can see why Ben quit watching it, and I can also see why Logan considers it a favorite. (laughs) I can see the case being made either way for this movie.
1: This was the second time I've seen this movie. Uh, the first time was when it came out when I was a young lad, and I, I don't, I don't remember wanting wanting to see it again. Uh, but I don't remember anything else relevant. Honestly, I barely remembered what the movie was about. So mm. that's my experience.
0: Let's see And like I, I will say, I, I think it is. I don't know if odd is the right word, but. I guess almost a little disappointing that I didn't really like it uh, because I love Jack Black. Um, he is one of my favorite people to follow on social media. What <laughs> I just think all around, he's a great guy. I love uh, some of the stuff I've seen him in. What like do you School love? School of Rock. Okay. Um, like School of Rock is, it's not like in my top 10, but it, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like There will be times i would just like, you know, I want to watch School of Rock right now. Uh you know fully with I will. You, my
2: guy. I'm fully with you.
1: I've seen some Jack Black movies and School of Rock feels like maybe the least Jack Black movie just because of the other really strong characters. Right. And usually he steals the that's show. That. And he does and and School of Rock. But there's some really strong characters otherwise in that movie too. That's
2: true, because it's a good all around movie. I know this isn't about School of Rock, but as far as Jack Black being <laughs> Jet Black, though, I think his character in School of Rock Dewey, I think that's just they just put him on set and then he
3: was himself. I think that's the general consensus. Everybody yeah. associates Jack Black with School mm-hmm. of Rock.
0: Yeah. I'd say I also uh, liked him in the new Jumanji movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
3: some of the reviews that I saw um, just listed on Wikipedia under the release and reception section, uh, I think really summed up some of the thoughts I've had <laughs> about this movie. One of them says, at times hilarious, but other times offensive, sure to entertain the adolescents, however. (laughs) Uh, This one says, amusing but resistible, which I agree with. Um, And this one, I think maybe Ben will agree with based on what you just said. It takes some doing to make a Jack Black comedy that doesn't work, but Nacho Libre does it. (laughs) Oof i know logan disagrees
2: <laughs> i mean yeah but i also i definitely see both sides as an adult now but um as a kid growing up and watching it and quoting it in my everyday life no nah, i can't see it at all but if i remove that and i look at it i'm like of course this isn't it this isn't for everyone this is a very uh detached choppy plot and uh really uh crude potty humor but that connects with me so
0: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. for me that's just typically not the kind of movie i like go and
3: watch yeah it's not clever in the slightest mm-hmm. um a lot of the jokes are low-hanging fruit and uh I, but i say that also as a person who is not necessarily opposed to potty humor You know, I think there's a place for that kind of humor and it's fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, given anytime he's about to jump off of something and he farts every time, I find that irresistible. Personally, I like whenever he's in the restroom, like pooping and whatnot. I'm like, sure, that's gross. But he's trying to sneak up on someone and he farts and then they're alerted to his presence. That's a great time. He jumps (laughs) off the cliff after eating the eagle egg and does it even louder that time. So, 10 out of 10 for those.
0: Glad you
3: like that. (laughs) So, Jared Hess Mm -hmm. made this indie movie called Napoleon Dynamite that was unreasonably successful. Mm -hmm. And then he did this movie. And you can tell it's the same director, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can tell that the writing and directing was done by the same guy because it feels a lot like Napoleon Dynamite. Mm -hmm. The same awkward close-ups on awkward people. You know, the same semi-random humor that just makes you laugh and then go, what? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, Tristan, who didn't even know that we were watching Jared Hess movie, uh, you said that it was like a, I mean, that's fine. You said that it was like a gross Napoleon Dynamite Yeah, or a nasty Napoleon Dynamite, whatever you said. So, even without knowing that, you picked up on that. I will say, I
0: I think it works a little bit better with Napoleon Dynamite. Um, It may just be, like, my sense of humor likes Napoleon Dynamite more, but... Yeah.
2: And I think it's... Know your audience. I think that a wider age group can enjoy Napoleon Dynamite, Mm -hmm. uh, even though that one's pretty immature humor, too, but it works a little bit better because they really settle in on the campy thing. Well, yeah. this one, this one does a lot of shifting between um, the awkward campy humor and then sometimes trying to be overly sincere and then sometimes being straight up a little kid. So this one bounces a lot more than Napoleon does.
1: Yeah. I mean, Napoleon Dynamite had a more believable, um, which is a weird thing for me to say about that movie, <laughs> but it had a more believable romance there. I think, and and then in Nacho Libre, uh, you, I mean, you rely like li- it literally throws in a fart noise sometimes when he just does something like he just farts, <laughs> you know. Like it's like I laughed. Don't get me wrong, I thought it was funny, but it's not clever, you know. Like Elijah said, and it's just thrown in. Whereas you have something like. Napoleon Dynamite is funny because it's so awkward the whole time. Yeah. And it and the jokes <clears throat> come from that awkwardness rather than the jokes coming from Jack Black being gross, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But you spoke on the romance and, yeah, a really, really, really attractive nun coming to the monastery and then one of the monks uh, trying to date them. Yeah, that's not a believable romance. But even their interactions... Um, It is a lot more comical rather than their, like, real awkward romance in Napoleon Dynamite. But in Nacho Libre, um, I do find myself more attached to those two characters and, um, like, their conversations because they're trying to talk about uh, real things. And you can tell the whole movie that Nacho, uh, Ignacio, Nacho's his luchador name, (laughs) Ignacio doesn't uh, fully grasp, like, what it means to, like, uh, be there at the monastery and like helping these kids and like serving the lord which he thinks he's always doing but you see how little he knows about all that and he gets a lot of his information from um Incarnacion. and then so you see a lot of like wisdom from her and she's not just like this pretty-faced nun that comes in she comes in and she's actually like the only non-completely comical character in the monastery, like she's actually there to like try to teach lessons and uh, serve the purpose that the monastery actually has. So, uh, the romance not believable at all, but I enjoy watching those two characters more, as far as trying to get something out of it.
3: Hey, by the way, Nacho is actually a nickname for Ignacio. It's not just his wrestler name.
2: Okay, I was wondering why they flip back and
3: forth. Yeah. A lot of the time. Very nice. Um, I don't know if we were recording yet, but Logan, you mentioned Masterminds, which is a more recent movie that Jared Hess did, starring uh, Zach Galifianakis and a bunch of SNL uh, comedians. Uh, similar to Nacho Libre, it's actually kind of based on a true story that apparently Jared Hess thought was so ridiculous it needed to be a movie. Uh, Nacho Libre and Masterminds both fall into that category. And um, I've said before, I actually really like Masterminds as a comedy. It's really funny. Uh, a lot of it is stupid humor, but it is really funny. But I, it has occurred to me that probably the, the biggest weakness with that movie, Masterminds, and the reason it isn't that popular, is because they tried to be too funny too much. Like they tried, they they like jammed every joke they could think of into the movie, every every bit they could think of that they thought, this might be funny, they put it in the movie um, and, and it gets to a point where you kind of feel like maybe they were just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and I think there might be a bit of that in Nacho Libre as well, maybe Napoleon Dynamite too, maybe that's just a trademark um, just, you know, if you think of something funny that fits with these characters, just go ahead and put it in the script, even if it seems just totally out of left field Yeah
2: um if you elijah had to rank the three jared hess movies what would your order be i have a guess
3: (laughs) i i don't know i think um if only one of those movies should have been made it should be napoleon dynamite Mm -hmm. that's the hero we needed oh yeah Um, (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah and i'm gonna put nacho libre at the bottom
2: And that's the order I thought you were going
3: to put in. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Now I will say, understandable. Freaking, some of the jokes in Mastermind's absolutely slay me, but that's not what this podcast is about. So let's move on. Uh, The
0: plot in this movie is kind of a simple one. Um, Like you've got this dude who goes on pretty much a journey to find himself. Um, Yeah, you didn't really want to call it a journey. It's Um, a
1: it's a dumbed down version of the hero's journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I, you even want
1: to go that route,
2: <laughs> I will say they do put a couple of curveballs in there. I'm not talking about the premise, of course. The premise. This is the only time it's been done for this specific uh, movie, but um, as far as for his journey, um, I can't think of any movies. I'm sure there are, but where the hero, like, gets a, something that they think is their calling. And then they just really stick with it. Even though Nacho is super, super bad at wrestling, they're embarrassing. They are very, very bad. I've seen that happen before, but I can't think of a movie where the person sticks with that calling and then are like, am I doing it for the wrong reasons? And then once he figures out the right reason, which um, turns out to be that he wants to um, raise money uh, for all the orphans so that they can get a bus and go on field trips and have a better life. Once he figures out that calling uh, with Encarnacion's guidance, then all of a sudden he's doing it for the right reasons. And then things go a lot better because usually in the hero's journey, they're already like super good at what they do. They just face a big trial. So even though it is a kind of cut and paste plot, I think that that was a unique aspect of persevering and then finding the right reason for what he's doing. Again, I've seen it many, many times, so I pick it apart a lot more than a human should
0: for a movie uh, like this. I'm I'm not going to complain about that uh, because you can pick this apart, I think, a whole lot easier than the rest of us can. Um, Speaking of that, though, uh, there's one thing that you mentioned while we were trying to figure out uh, what we wanted to talk about uh, that really stuck out to me. Um, You mentioned one thing that you had really uh, kind of focused on was the religion in this movie. Um, obviously, you know, the movie takes place at a monastery, so um, you know, there's a lot of Catholicism in there, but uh, Ignacio isn't really. Uh, do you want to speak on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, and so he's growing up in the monastery at the beginning of the movie, he's like a 14 year old kid or 12 year old kid, as they're showing him, and he wants to like wrestle and whatnot, and so he's just kind of going through life, like a lot of the students. Uh, like a lot of the orphans do at the monastery. Whenever he's like in kind of a more monkey monk-like position, not monkey,
3: but monastic. Um,
2: so yeah. So whenever it shows the little teenage him, like he's all upset that he has to like do these duties, and he like pile drives the chips, which I do anytime I pass by a bowl of chips. And you can just <laughs> you can just see that he is not happy to be there. And then he's an adult, and he has that little monologue. When, Encarnacion, when he's trying to convince the kids in Incarnassium that he doesn't wrestle and that he thinks it's wrong. And then he's like, I get to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and make some soup. It's the best. I love it. And then um, I get to sit alone in a bed all of my life. So you see all of his resentments with um, like living in the monastery and not being able to live life the way that he wants to. And then, like I said, Encarnacion comes in and she's just kind of this guide to point him in the right direction and r- help him realize why he's there. And so as a little kid I just viewed this as like a comedy movie. And then as I'm watching it now um, regardless of religious views, um, just as far as like finding purpose and everything then I listen to what she's saying he's like, is it always a sin to fight? Is that always wrong? And then she's like, no, not if you fight for something noble. And then Um, God will bless you, whatever force um, will bless you and things will go a lot better if you fight for the right reasons. But if you do it for vanity or pride, then things won't go as well. (laughs) And so then I start thinking about areas in my life where I'm like, well, am I doing this because it serves some purpose or am I doing it for vanity and pride because I like the attention or I like the goodies I get that people throw at me like they talk about in the movie? But
1: all the treats Um, dog treats i often throw your way whenever you're near me
2: so uh, just as i've watched this multiple times and as i'm older i get to watch it and i'm sitting there i'm saying all the quotes that i enjoy saying and they make all the funny like christian jokes like they're in the monastery and they're making jokes he's like um he says the word bums which of course is um outdated but I saw some homeless men here and I wanted to pray for them and he didn't want to, he was trying to show her how strong he was. And that was just his excuse. But then um, you look at all those little jokes and then you just see how naive he is. And you see that growth as well. As I watch this older and pass all the slapstick and quotes, I'm able to find all those things. And I sit here. And with that soundtrack in the background too, I'm like very inspired. So I watch it in that light as well a lot these days.
3: If you're willing to dig deep enough, you can find a message in anything.
2: That's true. Yeah, (laughs) but at at least what she says about fighting is an explicit message. So yeah, you're right. Receive that one at least.
1: Teaches you a little bit about love at the end when he's getting his foot, the man's foot on his head slash neck Mm -hmm. region. (laughs) I don't remember.
2: <laughs> it, it was like right above his diaphragm below his neck. Yeah.
1: Oh. And he looks over and sees her come in. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna fight for the right reasons.
2: Because mm, the kids come in too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and they do.
2: He sees everything right there. And then the theme he, sees song everything he loves starts playing. Hey, anyway, that's why I have to say about the religion. How do you guys feel about the soundtrack? Because this is one of my favorite soundtracks, especially the theme song. Cause I love that little
0: doot <laughs> doot doot
1: do. Doo. Yeah, it serves the movie well. I think it really pushes the themes along really well. The beginning, the first song, I think it like plays in entirety probably. And it comes back around several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man of God or what is it? How does it a go? A religious man. A religious man, yeah. Like, I am
2: a religious man. And then the penny whistle starts playing.
1: Oh, yeah. that's That was a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought. I, I mean, I wasn't blown away. It was, you know.
2: Yeah, well,
1: it wasn't like yeah. John Williams or anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True, but it but but like the, but the said, themes went well. Like you said, I think it serves the purpose well. And then for the zany, um, more fun scenes, the songs are fun, get you bobbing your head. So I think yeah. that they captured that as well uh, with the songs in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Excellent.
1: What do you guys Elijah, think about the like music? music?
3: Yeah, I think it serves the movie well.
2: Ben, Ben
0: says, I, I, mean, "I mean, I don't have anything else to add to that." Um, <laughs> it it fits. Um, it says, "I like music." It's not something I'm gonna go take time out of my day to listen to, but I mean, it it, it goes well with the movie, it keeps things moving.
2: Again, I have a different history with it,
0: so,
2: <laughs> so obviously, oh, music sucked with me. So I wanted to see what it was like, just objectively, and you let me know. <laughs> so thank you.
1: All right, I've got a question for you, boys. And it was something I thought of at the beginning of this movie. And we don't have to come to your conclusion on this, but the question is, was this a white savior movie? You are not the first
3: person to ask that question, Tristan. Oh, well, (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, this movie's controversial. Um, And, you know, obviously they just like Jack Black and they knew who they wanted to cast in the lead role. They liked the way he does comedy on screen. Uh-huh. So they made it work for him. They wrote it in so that he's the kid of a Scandinavian missionary just so they could have Jack Black. So, um, you know, whether that's, whether that's a bad thing or not, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it's like, um, I don't think they sat down to be like, OK, we're going to we're going to make a movie loosely based on this real guy because it is sort of based on a true story. I don't think they sat down and said, but we're going to change him to a white actor because we got to have a white person in the in the driver's seat, you know, like they do for a lot of movies. It's just that they wanted Jack Black because they liked how funny he was on screen. So they just did what they had to do to make it work for him. Um
1: yeah, well, I mean, Jack Black carries this movie on his back, so the whole the whole time.
2: And I mean, Chancho, but yeah.
1: Well, well, I'm just other kidding. people help, but he's the one carry. He's in the middle. You know what I mean?
2: One hundred percent. And um, yeah, from the light white savior perspective, like like I was saying earlier, he is not like the admirable hero for most of the movie he's doing everything for the wrong reasons um, so if it was a focus that he was white then um, he, he prevails at the end of things go well but this isn't like him going into a new because usually white savior savior movies they'll go like into a new culture right they'll like try to make um, their lives quote better and um, bring them up out of their situation He's, he's with their situation the whole time. He's, he's with them. And so it's not that kind of white savior movie at the very least.
3: Yeah, well, okay. I might be playing devil's advocate, but possibly the worst white savior movie I can think of is what you're describing. Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. that is based on an old book with lots of outdated ideas. But Last of the Mohicans, the hero and the titular Last of the Mohicans is a white guy. And he was raised in this American Indian culture. Um, And the the whole point is that he's got, you know, the, he, he knows the things that the, the local Indians know, but he's not one of those savages. He's one of us white people. And so he combines the best of both worlds. And that's why James Fenimore Cooper thought he was the ideal hero. And when they made a movie much more recently, they still kept him as a white guy because that still sounded good to people. Um, and that's just if you ask me that's horrible that's a horrible example uh, um, of how to do <laughs> I mean that if you're trying to do a white hero white savior yes. movie then yeah that's the prime example it's, it's yeah
2: mad. I agree I fully agree with that but at least in this case they were orphans and I never saw I personally never saw there be some sort of power dynamic where he was like their only option they were Doing fine. He just saw an opportunity, and they all he took it, and then they all banded together, and they're like, "Yes, let's do this." And then he got them ten thousand pesos, which now is about five hundred dollars. It was more back then, but still, good bit of money. And the stakes are just very, very low relatively. And so I don't think any of it. You see, like him, like a knight in shining armor. I think I think it's more just a right. little situation, and then they do the thing.
1: Well, it's about, it's about him. He, I mean, it's just his journey at, you know, he's at the monastery. He's an orphan there. He gets out, he goes and does his own thing. He's successful eventually. And he comes back um, and he helps out the kids in in his new, more successful position, you know, bringing in money or whatever.
2: Yeah. And he relied on them for that to happen as far as inspiration goes, at least, but yeah. Yeah. so from that perspective me personally i'm like i don't see a last mohican kind of thing but yeah i fully understood that point um on in another vein um 2006 was a very different time so now we can look at it with the lens of is it okay for him to go around using his uh very bad mexican accent and then we can assess that for sure right which uh Obviously, the character grew up in Mexico. He speaks Spanish, and that's he would have that accent. But as for, like you were saying, they just really wanted Jet Black. So they needed to force that in there. And uh, his accent's not particularly good. So I see how we have controversy and trouble there. Uh, go ahead, Tristan.
1: Yeah, if I may, uh, you know, there are a lot of movies this is a little a little bit off topic but there are a lot of movies where you have just characters who all have for some like even if they're not a not british or not american or if they're just from a different culture or a different race or something and they're in a movie that is explicitly a certain culture like you know a movie about um Let's say a movie set in England during World War II or something, right? Like they have a very specific kind of accent. And there are a lot of movies where you take you'll you'll take actors from different backgrounds, and like maybe there'd be some Americans in there, maybe there'd be some Indians in there or something, you know. And it's like they have their own accents and voices, but now they're trying to sound British. And it's like it doesn't always work. And I, I think just in general, if movies would stop doing that and just just let them be a good actor just instead of having tom cruise try to do a bad british accent just let him talk like an american we get it we get that he's supposed to be british you can establish that in other ways just let him speak the way he can let him do his thing <laughs> instead of having him try to do all these explicitly british things
3: i think i disagree sense? have you ever seen the kevin costner robin hood no no, no. well he does not have a British accent, <laughs> and everybody else is English. And here's American Robin Hood in the middle of it. It's like Cowboy Robin Hood. It feels very um, dissonant. Okay, yes. maybe and that's a bad example. I, I agree
2: that it would not. It would be un. Dissonant is the best word to use. If Get, okay. I saw that,
1: let, let, let me let, let's say Game of Thrones. All right, it's a it's a fake place.
3: Uh huh. But yeah.
1: everyone just talks with a British accent. By default not everyone but most of them do by default if you're culturally from westeros you talk with a british accent right and you don't
3: have to that's just how they did it That's just okay. how they
1: cast cast it
3: yeah tristan that's a great example like and and we've talked about problems with fantasy fiction before yeah people just everybody thinks fantasy fiction when they make new fantasy fiction they think they have to do lord of the rings so everybody has to be british but uh, why you know right and also you just reminded me of i think i've talked to you guys about this before when i was in ninth grade they made us watch this movie about the odyssey and supposedly everybody's greek but they had this bizarre hodgepodge of accents
1: hmm.
3: like hermes shows up and he sounds like he's from boston it's so it's so weird it didn't work at all so <laughs> yeah surely I think it just- can though you
1: know like elijah's wood elijah woods isn't british but they had him do an accent for You know,
2: I mean when I watch uh, Les Miserables it takes place in France almost all of them have British accents at least watching it and a lot of those actors aren't British when I'm watching it I don't have any dissonance as it happens so it can it can definitely happen it can definitely blend well as far as um, what can make everyone happy as far as staying in your own lane culturally like as actors I don't know the answer
0: I don't know. But- know I, I think a lot of it is you know this is just what like people of today are accustomed to like we don't see a lot of movies that are in foreign languages that perform well like until you know fairly recently like we had Parasite win Best Picture um, and like there were certain people who <laughs> refused to see it because they didn't want to read subtitles which is ludicrous because it's an incredible movie um and honestly i wish more movies that do take place in foreign countries would you know use their native languages like i mean like Lame is like it takes place in france let's let's watch it in french yeah yeah i i agree with that it, w- I think it wouldn't sell another...
2: as well but i think it would definitely be better 100 percent.
1: i think that's another conversation but i do Fair. agree
2: with you i think over time it would sell as well go ahead elijah
3: yeah well um the the i think at least most people who have a problem with this movie um it it, uh, it's from from most of what i've heard and and read um it's it's mostly just uh you, you could summarize it by saying it feels like a mocking stereotype um And I was reading some of these things earlier today. Um, I remember reading a website that was trying to answer the question, is Nacho Libre racist? They argued both sides, presented both sides, and then in the end concluded, no, I don't think it's racist. And I was looking in the comments on it, and there were several people commenting who said, I'm Hispanic, I'm Latino, and I agree with you, it's not racist. And then there were other people saying... um, it is racist and it's really not up to you as a non-Hispanic person to determine if this is offensive to Hispanic people or not. It's up to us. And I think there was one commenter who said, uh, both, who was like, I agree with you. This movie isn't particularly racist, but it's not really up to you. <laughs> um, yeah. so that was, uh, that was something I immediately internalized. Uh, I'm still thinking about it. And then another thing that I looked at, um, was a it was a whole essay i didn't read the whole thing but um it was good there, there was some interesting stuff in there and the whole thing was about um the way that this very very bad accent that skips from like mexican to cuban to italian it's skipping through all these like um familiar movie stereotypes that we've heard before like we've heard these accents before and Jack Black is uh, recreating them in certain scenes and the person is kind of arguing about like what um what kinds of caricatures these certain accents conjure up in the minds of of viewers and you know maybe maybe this essay was wrong but it is interesting and I think it's worth considering and um That it it boiled down to kind of this whole thing is like performative brownness. It's uh, we're watching a white actor performing with sounds that we associate with certain things. And it's it's not doing anything to fight stereotypes in some ways. It's perpetuating them. Mm. They were talking about the, the particular context in which this movie came out, that the, the particular controversies going on with immigration in the United States at the time and saying this didn't do anything to help. It seems really poorly timed and things like that. Um, the, the essay or some of the some of the stuff I looked at today, I don't remember if it was all from the same source, but some of it was saying Um, The presentation of Mexico in this movie is not really realistic because it it um, it kind of just presents everything you see of Mexico in this movie is poverty stricken and dirty, um, which is an image a lot of Americans have of Mexico. And they were saying that's not what all of Mexico is like, but you wouldn't know that from this movie, things like that.
0: I mean, right. that in particular is a common issue with the depiction of Mexico throughout a lot of modern everything. Uh, yeah,
2: even the ones without this problem. So
0: Yeah. Um, like, there is something... I don't know if I read it or heard it, but every time you see a picture of Mexico in a movie, TV show, it's always yellow.
3: Yeah. With, like, it's got a film over it. Right. Uh, or, like, a filter or something. But, like that that's not what Mexico is like. Right. Now, when you see in a movie when you see white people from America vacationing in Mexico, it doesn't look like that.
2: No. Interesting. Like you, so like you see James Bond go through there and it looks awesome.
3: Yeah. So
1: it, it 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 raises a question for me if if you have a movie such as this where it's a, it takes place in Mexico, it takes place at a monastery, um, seemingly in the middle of—I don't—I don't know. At like,
2: it was does, like does in the desert where between different cities, basically. Yeah, like what it seemed yeah. Like.
1: There's a village nearby, um, and village implies a small thing. It's a village, so like, it's not a very wealthy area that it takes place in. Seemingly, if the plot is that but you want, you, you know, you, you, but at the same time, it's perpetuating a stereotype. So I, I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I'm not a filmmaker, but I'm curious. I'm, it just makes me think, you know, like, what is the answer? Like, do you need to change your, your, your plot to incorporate different elements to fight that stereotype? Um, do you have a responsibility to do that as a filmmaker? You know, it just makes me think about it, all these questions.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, as far as the setting of this movie goes, um, they have a lot of vibrant, pretty colors in a lot of areas of the movie. And so again, I've been watching this my whole life, so I don't have a fresh perspective on it, but, um, whenever I'm watching, I'm like, that looks like a good place. Oh, look at that Mexican street corn. That looks delicious. And so I have a lot of positive imagery with this movie. and it delicious. makes me, it makes me want to go to that area personally. Um, as far as like depicting Mexico in a way that strays away from the way that we've seen it in Hollywood no I don't think that this um, helps that happen and I think it is the responsibility of other movies to show a more realistic view of Mexico and other countries that uh, we view in only one light Afghanistan I know the light that we view that in uh, based on movies (laughs) so yeah and that's
3: you know it's a none of us have ever been there but you know it's a country full of people with day jobs and stuff. Like it's not what it's not what uh we were kind of initially thought. I mean, growing up hearing things about Afghanistan, you thought it was just one big landmine. Yeah, but obviously it it's not.
2: Just a big desert with AK 47s and a giant right. landmine. And that's all they ever show us in the movies. So right. Yeah, Tristan. Yeah.
3: Your
1: your art reflects you know so much especially when you have a lot of power like someone like Jack Black you're going to watch a Jack Black movie because he's famous you know people are going to come see it and when you're when you want to make something like this and you, because you think it's funny you think it's a good script or you think you like the message or whatever whatever it is and the elements of your movie such as You know, living in a poorer area or having, you know, an orphanage or something like that. If these are elements of your movie and they perpetuate a stereotype about said place where you're having the movie, you know, you, I think you have a responsibility at that point with the power you have to do something better with that power. Even, even though you have a vision that maybe inadvertently perpetuates the stereotype of that um you still you you know you still have to be careful of these things and be aware of what you're doing
2: yep Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um and this just being kind of a more like cartoony comic movie wherever it was going to take place i wouldn't suppose it was gonna be a realistic depiction of wherever it was but i will Um, It definitely could have more authenticity and whatnot Uh, if Jared has has any familiarity uh, with such areas. Um, I would personally have to um, hear, again, like we said, responsibility of figuring out if these things are right or wrong Um, all over the place and something that we're talking about now and uh, everyone needs to keep talking about. But I would like to know what people, if there are of people in areas like this like if this is an accurate depiction to anyone who lives in an area like this, I would like to know their opinion on it and if it's positive or negative just to see if there was any sort of um, good captivity of this because again I associate it positively um, if people from small villages were like, well villages aren't like this even a little bit in Mexico, then I would see it as a problem uh, more so so. I don't know. I need more exposure to what it is we're talking about, as far as the setting goes. Yeah,
3: it's worth it's worth looking into. I think it's worth reading about and thinking about. Um, But it's I'm I'm afraid that even as you read about it a lot, it's still kind of hard to come up with what you think is the definitive solution. Yeah. Yeah it's hard that we get into a conversation like
2: this (laughs) it goes all over the place to and fro and then we arrive at i don't know
3: yeah yeah ideas i i'm definitely of the opinion that this movie has its issues with ethnic representation i think Mm -hmm. there's probably some stuff in here that should have been left out or done differently and i as much as i like jack black in this movie because he makes me chuckle uh, I can't help but wonder if they could have uh, could have done better if they just searched a little harder to find a Mexican actor who could portray the role. Mm-hmm. I know there's only one Jack Black, but come right. on. It didn't yeah. have to be Jack Black.
1: Yeah. Thanks for uh, doing that research, Elijah. That was helpful.
3: Yeah, I didn't do deep research. It was broad, but not deep.
1: Right. Okay. Just enough to talk about a be unsure <laughs> exactly
2: All right. you guys have anything else as far as uh, these different topics go or are we ready to evaluate this thing numerically hey
3: I think I think before we do that we should uh, you should share some of the most hilarious quotes from this movie
2: oh well as I talked about um, the quotability of it and that I've been saying these lines for years and years it makes me laugh every time I hear them in the deliveries uh, whenever he's talking about, um, what's Escalito's real name? It's... Uh, Steven. Steven. Whenever Steven uh, steals the chips, then Nacho comes back to the orphanage. Then he's like, where are the chips? And he's like, they were stolen. They said, did you tell him they were the Lord's chips? And I say <laughs> exactly. that a lot.
3: <laughs> and yeah.
2: um, just a lot of the little actions he does. Anytime I see things on a table, I like to swipe it away and see if the things will fall over or not. He does it all over the place. Um, I like saying those Eagle eggs gave me no powers. They gave me no nutrients. Because <laughs> you talked a little bit about nutrition there too. Um, anytime I'm wrestling, I go anaconda squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have plenty, but what stood out to you guys as far as quotes? Go- oh, and I now I like the part where he's like, I spent my whole life looking up to Ramses, but turns out he's a real douche. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, nice.
3: And I hate all the orphans in the whole world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then later, he's like, I don't hate them. I like them now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, I was criticizing this movie, and then we got back into just quoting the lines that made me laugh when we were watching it, and my the score I was going to give it is slowly climbing back up. <laughs> yep.
2: And it still has a lot of that Napoleon Don, my presence. Like, uh, whenever he's sliding <laughs> an entire plate to of toast under Encarnacion's um, uh, Encarnacion's door, and then she opens the door. It's been about twenty seconds since he did that, and then he's just like now standing up. It's those little cadences and whatnot. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like,
1: this I is my style. I actually burst out laughing when he puts at the beginning of the movie when he puts the chili. I don't know what it was. What was it supposed to be? Um, gruel.
2: It, <laughs> it, it's gruel. It is
1: okay <laughs> when he puts the gruel down and uh he's like today is especially delicious <laughs> and then he t- takes a bite and just immediately hacks it up <laughs> yep. i um, i
0: cackled
2: yeah um the songs from this i'm always singing that Ramses song from the party Ramses is number one he knows the secret of desire a little trumpet and then uh incarnacion where uh line is i ate some bugs i ate some grass I use my hand to wipe my tears.
3: So good. <laughs>
2: it is. Yeah. Genius. And. The, I. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go for it. OK, I was just going to say the line I say the most, almost on a weekly basis is. Um, anytime someone talks about anything I'm wearing, I go, well, you know, beneath the clothes, we find a man and beneath the man, we find his nucleus. <laughs> Because I always love that line. <laughs> so why do you liked, say, Justin?
1: I liked when they were in the bathroom and he mentioned about the egg. He was like, "They gave me
3: no nutrients." Yep. <laughs> Logan mentioned that one.
2: Oh, did you? Okay.
1: Yeah. Yes,
3: and but it,
2: I am glad that you liked it as much as I did. Yeah.
3: And it, heaven forbid if anybody ever puts corn in front of Logan, you know what's going to happen. Uh, get that corn out of my face!
1: And when he threw that corn at the guy, and it went yeah, to his, it goes eye, into his eye socket. What the heck?
3: <laughs> It was and bad. It See, on. a lot of the humor in Masterminds is like that too. Jared, ha- Jared Hess has a particular fingerprint.
2: He does. <laughs> but yeah, I love the quotes on this. Is me and my cousin, Evan specifically, we love just walking around the house, doing things like he does, um, saying lines. <laughs> Anytime someone tells me a list off my favorite anything, I say Incarnations list. I go, my favorite animal is puppies. I love serving the Lord. <laughs> hiking volleyball my My favorite favorite color color. is light tan
3: exactly (laughs) yep good stuff
2: so yeah this movie just forms my giblets and uh (laughs) oh and i like it when he said they're just little ninos trying to release their wiggles
3: (laughs) exactly
0: yeah (laughs) all right all right well on that note um i think it's time to score this sucker If this is your first time listening, we use a pretty simple scale here. Uh, Just 1 to 100. Uh, You can kind of think of it like an American grade scale. That's what we do most of the time. Uh, A uh, 100 means it is a perfect movie. It has no flaws. Uh, The scale cannot be broken. A 1 means that it is an irredeemable pile of turds. So who wants to go first? I'll do it. It's all you, Tristan. Okie dokie. I'm going to
1: give this movie a 67. All right. Because, uh, well, I don't have a great reason. I just kind of picked that number; sounded sounded right to me. Um, it's like a D. Um, it's funny; I laughed, but there was just not a whole lot of substance here for me. and That's how I feel. That's how I felt about it. So. I don't have much else. You
3: heard You heard me talk. All right. Who's next? Me. Elijah. Uh, in my opinion, this is not a good movie. I would never say it's a good movie, but it's a fun time and it is highly quotable. And even if I try to dislike this movie, which I don't, you hit me with those quotes Logan listed and I am going to laugh. Um, so I... I was about where Tristan was, but I'm going to lift it up to a seventy, just bump it up to the next letter grade, in my opinion.
0: Fair,
2: fair. Yeah. Every right. every little bit counts. <laughs> All right, uh, um, Logan.
0: I think you and I are both going to skew the curve a little bit. Um, so, do you want to go first, or you want me to?
2: I'll go first. Okay. Um, I'm not going to skew it as much as you think I am, though. Okay. Um, being one of my favorite movies, it is one of my favorite movies, but. Um, I also want to spread in a little bit of like looking at this as a movie rather than just my personal experience with it. So my personal experience, 100 every time. Love it. But if I'm looking at it as a movie with that 100, swaying it heavily. Um, But just looking at the different things I've said throughout this podcast, I give it a 92. 92, excuse me.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> and um, the 90 because that's a good number and then the extra two because i do love it that much (laughs) all right (laughs) i think that the things i've said i've made enough of a case where in my heart it's a 92 and it just depends if the audience can come to see it the way i see it but i will uh, not make it anything higher than a 95 so ninety-two.
0: okay well this audience does not agree with you uh this audience being me um I mean, I'll be frank. I I, I don't like this movie. Um, I've got no interest in ever watching it again. I think it's kind of dumb. Um, it is. Yeah, it, it's really not for me. If you like it, great. Um, I don't. Um, I think there are, are a few problematic things in this, like we've discussed already. Um, and that did bring my grade down a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give it a 48. Um Ooh. yeah. Uh, I I didn't have a good time. <laughs> there were a couple parts that kind of got a cheap laugh, but a cheap laugh does not a movie make. So
2: fair. Did you enjoy talking about it at
0: all? Uh yeah, I mean it was a good discussion. Um but yeah. Uh that's it.
2: There's fair. I'm glad
0: I made mine in 92. Yeah. All right. To so
2: account for that 2%. That wasn't a 50.
0: <laughs> Boy. Uh, well, after playing that into our patented scoreometer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that gives a final score of a 69.25. LOL. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so
3: I'm nice. right.
0: Exactly. Unless we're playing prices, right rules, in which case Tristan is right. Oh. True. all right but, anyway that was nacho libre uh it was a movie it happened uh what are we talking about next week guys i don't know
3: doug's it's, excited for it doug
0: oh, is yeah. excited for just it just kidding i know
1: it's star uh, trek 2 the wrath of Khan.
0: that's right we're going to boldly go where no man has gone before Except at least on it. this podcast yeah uh, <laughs> because somehow we've never talked about a star trek film We've talked about Star Trek on the podcast, but never any of the films. Uh, Doug's a big Trekkie, the uh, Trekkie, Trekker, whatever it's called. Tre-
1: Trekkie. I've heard it I am too. I've heard it both, I ways. I heard it both I, ways. I haven't watched the original uh, series or the original series
0: movies, mm-hmm. but I'm a big fan of Next Generation. Uh, so. All right. Well, this is not that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, be sure to tune in next week as we talk about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, And also be sure to follow us on social media at Vider Media. Uh, See all the cool stuff we're doing. We've got new episodes of Setting the Skiing every Wednesday and new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night. Uh, And yeah, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. I'm Logan. And this has been Setting the Skiing. Y'all have a great week.